Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Marias live from Fight Island. Exciting bantamweight tilt that definitely has some title implications. But of course, you that frequent the show know we will not be talking about that fight or any other fight on the main card. Because this is the prelim primer where we only focus on the early portion of the card. Now for those of you who might be new to the show and you're asking yourself, why only focus on the early part of the card? Why not give us, you know, the big fights? And the answer is real simple. You probably know a lot about Corey Sanhagen and Marwin Marias or Ben Rothwell and Marcin Tybura, Edson Barboza and Amir, or Aquan Amir Khani. But you don't know about these prelim fighters. You probably don't know a lot about any of them. And we think there's a lot of money to be won in both gambling and daily fantasy sports on those fights. So we're here to help you out with that. Now, speaking of getting help with daily fantasy sports or gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find AJ at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. And, and he's really unlike any of those other places that give you gambling advice because He's not just giving you fighters that you should put down money on each week. Instead, he provides you with his picks, but also with education that you can use for years to come. He gives you in-depth breakdowns right to your inbox in all kinds of different formats, written, audio, video. They're all coming to you. And he gives you the tips and know-how so that you can make informed decisions and maximize your profit. Check him out at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. And you can also follow him on Twitter at AJMMABetting. You won't be sorry you did. Now, of course, I need to be joined by a co-host in order to tackle this whole ordeal. I'm joined today by Ryan Jarrell from Cage Side Press. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, always a pleasure to be here. Happy to be back. All right. And as you guys know, we're going to start every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Yusuf Zalal versus Aliyah Torpuria. Zalal looking to be the first 4-0 fighter in 2020. He last won a decision over slippery Pete Barrett back in August. Topuria, 8-0, making his UFC debut. He is yet another Georgian who is coming to the UFC. He last won all the way back in November as part of Brave CF 29. So, obviously, you know, Zalal on a crazy run. And he really seems to be extremely well-rounded for a guy of his age. It looks like he can grapple a little bit. It looks like he can strike a little bit. What do you think Torpuria has to do here to sort of penetrate that, that armor he's got up? Jeez, I don't know. Does he have like a personal genie where someone might be able to like help him crack the Zalal puzzle? I'm not sure what he can do. I'm a huge fan of Zalal. I think this kid is the real deal, man. The the, the Moroccan devil, like as you said, he's three and zero in the UFC now. I mean, I, I know Peter Barrett pretty well. He's a New England guy, and he's as tough as they come. And you know, he he withstood that big shot from Zalal early on, and uh, Zalal just dominated him. And you don't see people really do that to Peter Barrett. And then he goes, you know, he beats. Jordan Griffin before that and you know Austin Lingo he has two decision losses but those seem like uh, like another lifetime ago and I just think Zalal is dialed in I think he's someone that you're going to see really climbing those ranks again soon and, and look I mean Torpuria for a UFC debut to go against Yusuf Zalal I mean hello welcome to the UFC it, it sure doesn't get easier uh, the, the the more you climb uh, the ladder and this is a very very uh, difficult matchup, and I get it. He's 8-0. Um, he's got a lot of finishes, mostly submissions. Um, maybe he gets it done. Maybe he comes in and shocks, uh, you know, the, the whole MMA community here. 
Um, I just don't see it happening. He, you know, he's fought for Cage Warriors, Brave CF. I mean, he's fought for some good promotions, but I'm really high on Zalal, and I, I'm not quite sure uh, about Topuria. I haven't seen enough of him, uh, and I haven't been impressed enough to really think that he's going to be able to come in uh, and beat Yusuf. Yeah, one of the things that I will point out, you, you mentioned that Cage Warriors fight. He fought Brian Bullen, who, who I'm a big fan of. He's a guy out of Belgium. I know his manager. He's a really nice guy. Uh, the thing about Tapuria is that I really like the way he reacts to other people trying to take him down. You know, he's got some, like, nice counters from there. He also has good submission attempts. You know, he got that Anaconda choke from a front headlock position. He's got guillotine chokes. I just think that Zalal is probably smart enough not to go into his realm there. And, and yeah, it's going to be a sort of a more explosive striking. Certainly, Chapuria could get it done on the feet. But, yeah, I, I'm going with Zalal. I am pretty surprised at how close the odds are in this fight. Chapuria only coming off at, like, plus 150 here as a, you know, a debuting fighter against a guy 3-0 and this year alone. So, the, the bookmakers clearly have it a little closer, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with Zalal. I, I'll take him by decision here because I think Tarpuria is tough enough to stay in there. How about you? You know, I, I guess I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it does go to a decision. I mean, if, if you're matched up with Zalal in your UFC debut, the UFC clearly thinks you have the goods to, to get in there and, and compete. But uh, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Zalal get him out of there. I, I don't think that he's too happy that uh, he didn't finish Peter Barrett and I'm actually expecting a very angry motivated Zalal to come into this fight and uh, I'm actually going to go with a third round finish I think Zalal's going to going to wear him down and um, I think uh, Tapuria is going to learn from this and probably be better for it all right and that brings us to our second fight which is Tom Breeze versus KB Bueller Breeze after a two-year layoff returned and got TKO'd by Brandon Allen who is on a hell of a run in his own right Bowler 8-0 making his debut. He last won a decision over UFC veteran Matt Dwyer back in September of 2019. He, of course, was supposed to be on the Contender Series, but that got canceled. So, obviously, Brees, there's a little bit to be worried about, right? He looked a little subpar against Allen, who is ultra-impressive. Are you worried more about the fact that his skills kind of went away in those two years? Or are you sort of writing that off as Brendan Allen being as good as he is? Oh, it's 100% Brendan Allen being as good as he is. Again, another guy I'm very high on. Brendan Allen is the real deal, and I think you're going to see him uh, continue to make a big name for himself in the middleweight division. So, I mean, look, you look at Tom Breeze, he's he's lost to Brendan Allen and Sean Strickland. I mean, Sean Strickland, another veteran, a guy that's very well-rounded. I mean, Breeze is 4-2 and two in the UFC right now, and, and he's losing to guys that are extremely legit. Um, I, I'm, I'm really – Interested to see what Bueller's gonna gonna do here. He's got six finishes. Uh, again, a UFC debut guy, and I believe he's actually scheduled to face Bruno Oliveira at Contender Series in November. After this, unless they are scrapping that, depending on what happens with this fight, but that's kind of interesting. It's still on the the tapology uh, record there for him to compete at Contender Series. So again, but eight and zero against it's against a guy that's a veteran and, and Breeze and eleven and two. So this is gonna be really interesting and. Um, I, I kind of feel like this is one of those fights where we're going to find out just maybe how good Tom Breeze really is against this uh, UFC debuting undefeated fighter. Yeah, and the, the thing for me that sticks out here is that Breeze, and, and you mentioned you know, Sean Strickland, and you mentioned Brendan Allen, those guys are two guys who use their physicality extremely well. And from what I've seen from Buller, he's just not that kind of guy, right? Like he's a little bit more wiry. Uh, I, I like his hands, but to be honest with you, I think if this winds up being in a clincher, in a grappling match at all, Brees 
has an enormous advantage here. And I, and I actually think he's probably got an advantage with the hands too. So um, I'm leaning Breeze. How about you? Who you got and how you got him? You know, I'm I'm actually leaning Breeze too. Let's not forget, you know, Breeze did beat the the veteran Daniel Kelly. Uh, that's not an easy out. He's he's a, he's a grizzled veteran, someone that you know is a gamer. So, uh, you know, we'll, we're gonna find out about about Bullard here. You know, find out just how good he is. But I'm leaning Breeze. Uh, I think it's gonna be a decision. Yeah, I'm going to take Breeze, and I'm actually going to differ with you on this one, too. I'm going to take Breeze by finish here. I think he probably get, gets it done with a submission, just because I, I do think his submission skills are underrated. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you guys is that he's not just sending you his picks each week, but he's going to send you the pros and cons for each matchup, along with his thoughts on DraftKings matchups, which helps you with things like who's going to be owned a lot and who's maybe going to be one of the lesser owned fighters, which can be really helpful when you're trying to take home that big jackpot. And like I said before, he doesn't stop there. He also provides extensive audio content for his clients. If you're waiting and you're trying to figure out what you need to do to pick, but you, you also have that long commute to work, boom, he pops that right in your inbox. You can download it, listen to it on the way to work, and get all that gambling know-how in a nice, easy-to-digest format. So check out all of his services at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Chris Dawkins versus Rodrigo Nascimento. Dawkins, 1-0 in the UFC. He knocked out Parker Porter with a vicious knee back in August. Nascimento, 1-0 as well. He ran naked choked Dontel Mayus back in May. So, you know, the interesting thing here is that they both have kind of advanced ground games here, or at least advanced ground games for what we think of in the heavyweight division. Dawkins, a little bit more ground and pound heavy. Nascimento, a little bit more submission heavy. Do we think it ever goes to the mat? And if so, who's going to take it there? Oh, I think if it goes there, uh, Nascimento is going to take it there. I mean, Dacos, um, again, you mentioned he had that win over Parker Porter. Uh, another guy that he beat, uh, who I know pretty well, is Joshua Marsh. Uh, he finished him in the second round via TKO at a CES show. Uh, and that's an impressive win. Marsh is a, is a very, very good uh, wrestler. And so for, for, for Dacos to get a finish there, um, that says a lot. But, you know, his he's 9-3. and three. Um, All three of his losses, he's been finished. Um, that also is a, is a big concern of mine. And Nascimento is, is 8-0. Um, as you said before, I mean, round two, RNC win over Dante Mays. That's that's a nice feather in your cap right there. Uh, and he looked phenomenal against uh, Michael Martinek um, at the Contender Series. So, I mean, I... I you know, I always want to try and, you know, lean towards the American, right? Because that's where I'm from and I'm like, go USA. But I'm not so sure here. I think Nascimento um, is undefeated for a reason. And if, if you weren't impressed by what he did to Martinek, uh, take a look at what he did to Dante Mays. Uh, and I think he's going to stay undefeated in this one. That's interesting, too. And out of curiosity, so I'm going to ask you, how do you see him winning? But I'm interested, do you think he takes that path to the ground or do you think he can get it done standing? 
You know, I'm not so sure that he can get it done standing. I really haven't seen that that out of him yet. I, I mean, his signature wins are on the ground. They're, they're submission. So I feel like that's his bread and butter. And um, I, I don't give him the advantage on the feet uh, against Chris Dacus. I, I, I just don't. I think uh, Dacus has got a lot of power. I, he could clip, uh, you know, Rodrigo here and, and give him his first L. Um, but I think he's going to find a way, maybe clinch him against the Kent, uh, against the cage, uh, and, and use his slick jujitsu to, to get him, uh, in, in a compromising position. So, uh, I do think he's going to win here and I think it will be a submission, um, probably third round, second or third round. Cause I think Dacus is, is, uh, tough. All right. And I'm actually going to go with Dacus on this one for the reasons you kind of outlined. I, I think Dacus has got the advantage on the feet. I think he's probably got enough defensive wrestling to keep it there for long enough to land the big bomb. So I'm going to take him knockout. I'm going to take him in the first. I, I, I think he probably, you know, comes out blazing. And that brings us to our fourth fight, which is Impa Kasangane versus Joaquin Buckley. Kasangane, 1-0 in the UFC. He absolutely beat down Maki Pitolo in his debut back in August, which was just 18 days after beating Anthony Adams on the Contender Series. An absolutely crazy turnaround, and he's doing it again. He's fighting Joaquin Buckley, who's 0-1. He got knocked out by Kevin Holland, but, you know, like, obviously that's a tough debut there. That was also back in August, so they're both getting a pretty quick turnaround here. Kasengane is actually the last-second replacement here to fight Buckley, but it almost seems like it's a harder out for Buckley than his original opponent. What do you think his path to victory here is against a guy like Kasengane? Man, I mean, we haven't seen anybody beat Impa before, so like I, I'm not quite sure. And both of these guys are so tough. And you know, one of the things about Impa Kasagane that that a lot of people I don't really feel like highlight quite enough is that he trains with one of the best wrestlers, one of the best pressure uh, pressure wrestlers around. Whether you want to talk about whatever promotion it is, obviously the UFC is the top of the line, but uh, John Salter, the Bellator middleweight, is legit. And and go go watch that guy. Go watch how skilled he is uh, and, and what he has done in in the Bellator promotion. And he trains with Impa on a daily basis. And you know I've talked to Salter before. He raves about him about how hard of a worker he is, uh, how disciplined he is. Uh, and iron sharpens iron. We have someone like that around. And I have the utmost respect for John Salter. So I think that is something that really might come into play here. And you've seen that uh, in some of Impa's previous fights. You mentioned the win over uh, Maki Patolo. Um, you know, and then what he did to Anthony Adams. I mean, geez, Louise, that was just a very, very impressive performance. And, you know, Buckley is, is he's an impressive man himself. I mean, you just look at him physically. Uh, he's he's built like, a, you know, he's, he's he's a freak, you know, and, and he had that loss to Hall and no no shame there. But he's he's also got a, a really impressive win over a Vinicius de, de Jesus, uh, who was a guy who's fought here in the, in the New England area and is, is, is very well rounded. So this is going to be an interesting fight. I think Buckley... Uh, is going to bring it. And I think after that loss to Holland, you know, and he and he did have some moments. He looked pretty good in some aspects of that fight. Um, and I, I don't think he wants to lose two in a row here in the UFC to start it off. So I think he's going to bring it. I just think Impa's one of those guys that is just a grinder, man. And and I can just really totally see him uh, wearing Buckley down as the fight goes. Uh, I'm picking Kasagane uh, via unanimous decision. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same exact thing. I'm going to take Kasagane by decision. And I know you talked about Salter raving about him too, but you know, you can also hear the same thing out of Scott Holtzman, who he trains with, or, or Bam Bam Barrena, who, who says that he's just an absolute workhorse in the gym. And I see that as kind of his path to victory here, right? Like, we saw in the Pitolo fight, he just pours it on, and he just keeps coming. I think he does that here to Buckley, too, and just overwhelms him with strikes um, en route to a pretty clear decision. 
And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to be right back with our third and final round. Hey guys, just listen to what subscribers are saying about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. This is from George, who's a subscriber. George says, I've been following AJ for several months and he's ultra impressive, but honestly, his selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons he's impressive. His breakdowns and his understanding of each matchup is what impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in the MMA game, but AJ really seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let those pesky emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. George, we couldn't agree more. Check out AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com and all the services that he supplies. And we are back with our third round. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Ali Alcasey versus Tony Kelly. Alcasey 0-1 in the UFC. He took a split decision loss to Erwin Rivera in his debut. Tony Kelly 0-1 as well with a debut decision loss to Kai Kamaka. Of course, that fight won fight of the night and it was pretty damn exciting. Both guys kind of showed some bright spots in their losses. Obviously, the split loss for Alcasey, the fight of the night bonus for Tony Kelly. Which one did you see more promising for both this fight and for future fights? You know, I think I'm leaning towards uh, Tony Kelly here. Um, you know, as as you mentioned, he he had that um, that really close um, split decision loss to uh, Aguilar. Um, you know, and and if you look at who Aguilar has lost to, he's lost uh, to Dan Ige and Charles Rosa, and those guys are pretty good. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty high on Kelly. Um, I, I his four stoppage wins, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ali Elkasi, uh, you know, eight and four. That's not really the type of UFC record that you typically see for kind of like a, a prospect that the UFC has on the undercard. I'm not shortchanging him by any means. Um, I, I do think Erwin Rivera is a tough opponent. Um, you know, he's only been finished once. He has four wins via sub. Uh, I just I'm a little bit more impressed by Kelly. Um, I, I don't necessarily see either one of these guys you know, maybe cracking the top 15 anytime soon. But I think there's someone, uh, whoever wins this fight is going to be someone that we will continue to see um, on the undercards uh, as long as they can, you know, split wins here and there. But but I think these guys will probably be a couple of fighters um, that we'll see on the undercards for, um, for some time to come. So, yeah, and one of the things, too, I think we should mention about Ali Casey is, is he does have kind of impressive wrestling if you look at his regional circuits type stuff. But he did go 2-9 against Erwin Rivera in that split decision loss. And, and to me, that's just like not enough effectiveness in his grappling. And, and really, he didn't hold Erwin Rivera down for very long either. He's going to have to strike with Tony Kelly. That gives me pause in picking him right away. I'm going with Kelly. Uh, I'll take him by decision in this one. How about you? I'm with you 100%. I got Kelly by decision. All right. And let's talk about Giga Chikazi versus Omar Morales. Morales 2-0 in the UFC. Both decisions including a win over Dong Young Ma and Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. Chikazi also undefeated, 3-0 in the UFC, also all by decisions. He beat Brandon Davis, Jamal Emers, and the aforementioned Erwin Rivera. So, you know, Morales taking this fight coming down to featherweight because he wasn't really getting the fights he wanted at lightweight. Do you think that that is going to play a significant factor in this? And if so, is it going to be a good one or a bad one? 
I think it is uh, gonna gonna play a little bit of a factor here, and it's gonna be a good one for him as long as he has made the weight cut properly and he's not going to uh, have any adverse effects, you know, um, from making that weight cut. I don't know what he walks around at, but um, I, I do like Morales, and and goodness gracious, let me too, let me say this too. I I'm a big fan of, of Giga Chikadze. Um, yeah, I, look, he beat. Brandon Davis by split, as you said, and then had that win over Erwin Rivera. Uh, he had that split win over Jamal Emmers. I still think he lost that fight. That's that story for for another day. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that's very, very skilled and well-rounded on the feet. He's extremely dangerous. Um, this fight really could go either way. I mean, they're both very, very talented. I mean, Omar has seven stoppage wins. And did you see what he did to Harvey uh, Park in the Contender Series? I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> This guy's legit. He's the real deal. And and I think if there's going to be um, a strength advantage here, uh, as long as Morales had the cut safely and effectively here, uh, I think he's going to be the bigger, stronger man inside uh, the cage come fight night. So I do expect him to stay undefeated. However, I'm not hedging my bets, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Giga were to catch him because he's just that good on the feet. Uh, but I do think Morales is going to get the win here. Yeah, and the interesting thing to me, too, here is obviously the weight cut is, is intriguing. And whether or not he got through it well, like you said, could determine whether he's got the power to tag Giga. But it also could determine how, how long can he throw as many punches as he used to at lightweight? How long can he stand toe-to-toe with a striker like Giga Chikadze and still have the gas tank to go in the third round? Because if he doesn't have that gas tank, Giga could pour it on him here and... I, I just, you know, you mentioned that fight with Jamal Emers. I just see Giga as the type of guy who is so talented on the feet. It always looks good on the judges' scorecards, the way that he hits and the accuracy of which he hits. And it looks like everything he hits with is with a certain amount of power in his own right. I'm going to take him here being the guy who doesn't have to make that weight cut, who doesn't have to do that while traveling crazy distances. And to be honest with you, a guy who I think is a little bit better suited for 145 than, than Morales, who is an absolute tank, even at 55. So um, I'm going to take Giga here. I'm going to take him by decision. And now, while that should do it for our full uh, slate of fights, this card is so loaded that we are actually going to go to a bonus championship round. We're going to give you the last two fights in a little bit quicker fashion than we usually would, because obviously we couldn't fit it into our usual three-round structure. So let's talk a little bit about Tracy Cortez versus Stephanie Ager. Cortez beat Vanessa Nello in her debut. She's 2-0 if you count her win over Maria Agapova on the Contender Series. Ager is making her UFC debut. She's only 5-1. She won last month at a, uh, a show called Buddy Clash MMA. She picked up a rear naked choke. Of course, we shouldn't play all fun with her record because she did beat King Reyna back at Ryzen uh, all the way last year. So, uh, you know, like the, the interesting thing to me here is that Cortez is somebody who's used her strength a lot, right? Like, she, she looked very strong in that, that fight against Agapova. And she sort of uses that to bully people and then pour it on with her striking. Ager used to fight at 145 pounds. So, like, I guess my question is, is, like, does that neutralize the skill set that we love from Cortez already? 
It could. Egger is built, man. She's very, very rugged. She's a rugged woman. And um, I, I do think that she's going to have the strength advantage here in this fight. However, I don't think that she's going to have the, the technical advantage. I think Cortez is more skilled. So it's just going to be kind of like the, the boxer versus the brawler type of situation here. Um, you know, I don't know as much about Edgar if I'm going to be 100% transparent. But Cortez, um, as you said, she she had that nice win over Agapova. You know, she gets that, that debut win over Melo. I mean, she but she does have five decision wins. So it's not like she's she's going out finishing people that could present a problem if this fight gets in, in the later rounds uh, and, and Edgar is able to use her her strength and her size uh, to kind of maybe lay and prey on her or just keep her in positions where she can't get her offense off. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, and I will say, too, for Egger, you know, just for the, the common fan who may not know too much about her, she did win a European qualifier for Abu Dhabi C, uh, ADCC's Abu Dhabi Combat Club, like the, the Olympics of grappling, for those of you who don't know. And she she drew Gabby Garcia in the first round, which is a terrible draw for anybody, but she held her own in there. She actually survived quite a long time with Gabby Garcia. She won throw with the tournament for, for taking Gabby Garcia down. Like, and Gabby Garcia is massive. So, you know, like, in order for her to get Gabby Garcia down, I've got a certain level of respect for her. And I'm actually, you know, she is a pretty large underdog here, plus 200 on some of the sports books. I'm actually going to take Stephanie Ager here because I think she's got the ground game to, to sort of neutralize Cortez. And like you said, Cortez gets tired from somebody laying on her or somebody pushing her against the cage for, for 15 minutes. That submission might open late. Um, and did you, do you give me your pick? Who do you got in this one? You know, I, I was leaning toward, uh, towards Cortez, but you, you changed my mind. I met, <laughs> mentioning that Gabby Garcia, uh, that right there, I mean, if, if you have it, if you don't know who we're talking about, Google her, uh, and, and <laughs> you'll get an idea as to just how big and strong this, this woman is. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with you. Uh, I think Edgar just will be the bigger, stronger person here, uh, and she will. She'll get the win. All right, and that leaves us with our last fight, which is Bruno Silva versus Tagiro Lombakov. Silva 0-2 in the UFC. He had a submission loss to Khalid Taha. Then he moved back down to his normal weight. Got a decision loss to David Dvorak down there. Ulambakov 12-1 making his debut. He last won by guillotine back in December at GFCC 22. So I guess my question here is just looking at the fight metric stats. Bruno Silva in his two UFC bouts has shot 23 takedowns. So he seems like a guy who seems pretty reliant on the takedown to win. Is there any chance he gets any of those takedowns against Ulambakov? You know, I, I'm not sure that he wants to. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ulambakov has seven submission w wins. He's he's no one that you really want to play around with on the ground. I mean, he's, he's very slick. And uh, you know, man, these these Russians are very, very well-rounded uh, on, on the ground. And uh, I, I'm really intrigued about this fight. I, I mean... I think the UFC sees something in, in, in Lombokov, um, and I'm not I'm not quite so sure I'm a huge believer in Bruno Silva. As you said, he's 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, if you look back historically, he had, he had that split draw with uh, Casey Kenny at LFA. Um, you know, I, 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 this is going to be interesting, but I think I'm leaning with, uh, with Lombokov here. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, too, with that. That Casey Kenny draw is interesting, but also... That was flyweight Casey Kenny, and I'm a lot lower on flyweight Casey Kenny than I am bantamweight Casey Kenny. Mm -hmm. the, the thing I will say is that you're, you're right. The UFC does seem to think they have something here with Takir Ulambakov. But at the same time, 
you know, watching some of his film, I, I'm not super sold on him. I think his one-two is really nice and super crisp. His stand-up is sort of sharp. I'm not really sold on his wrestling from what I've seen. It looks like he's just, like, held down a bunch of Muay Thai fighters pretty much in his time. Uh, but that being said, I think he more than enough has the skill set here to beat Silva, especially if Silva thinks he's going to keep shooting in and score a victory. Ulambikov has a very tight guillotine. He's put some people out real cold. So, yeah, I, I like Ulambikov here. I'm going to take him by submission. Uh, how do you got him winning? Yeah, I got him winning by sub too. I think he's going to catch him in, uh, in, in one of those shots, and uh, I don't think Silva's going to be able to get out of it. I got, I'll got, i go round two uh, submission win. All right, and that's going to do it. That is, Those are eight fights, and we had to give you about 20 to 25 minutes here instead of the usual tight 15 to 20. So I want to thank Ryan Durrell for pulling overtime. Once again, you can catch him on Between Rounds Radio or at Cage Side Press. Ryan, thanks so much for the time, man. Hey, thank you, my friend.